Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of the Herald Times in Bloomington. And today we're going to talk about women in politics. Joining me in the studio is co-host Mary Catherine Carmichael and one guest, Regina Moore, who's the clerk of uh, the city of Bloomington. And she's been very active in trying to recruit more women to be involved in politics in, in Bloomington and Monroe County. If you have questions or comments, please phone us at 855-0811 or 877-285-9348 or you can send your email to noon at indiana.edu. Regina, welcome. Well, thank you, Bob. Thanks thank for you, being Mary here. Mary Catherine. Hi. Nice to see you. This is a great topic. I'm so excited to be here today. I know. It, it, it is a good topic and Monroe County is a good place to talk about it because I think that there have been lots of interesting women in, in politics in Monroe County and in the city of Bloomington, although the city council now has no women and that's been sort of an issue for the last few years. <laughs> But anyway, uh, Regina, why don't you sort of frame the discussion? Why, why, why should we be talking? Why, why is it important to have more women in the political process? Well, that's, a, that's an interesting question, um, which I think is kind of obvious. Uh, it seems to me that the more people you get involved, the more perspectives you get involved, um, the better the whole process is. And so I think women should be involved from um, the lowest level of volunteering for government, sitting on boards and commissions like Mary Catherine. I know you sit on a, on a board mm-hmm. and uh, you could probably talk about your experiences there. You're the only woman on that board, are you not? I am. Yeah. Um, and and up into elected office and perhaps even mayor, we've had we've had two women mayors, mm-hmm. Mary Alice Dunlap, mm-hmm. right, and Tommy okay. Allison. Tommy Allison. Right. Well, it, okay, I got that part of the quiz. That's good. We, we we have to let our listeners in on what's going Go on. Go right ahead. Well, Regina is yeah. by training a teacher, and so in true teacher form, she's given us a, a, a quiz. It's the Bloomington Women's History Month quiz, and the quiz is how many women have served on the Bloomington City Council, and what were their names? And she does give us a hint. She says Charlotte Zitlow was the first woman elected to the Bloomington Common Council and began serving her first year as president of the council. So now Bob and I are locked in a steep competition, and uh, I think he's trying to copy from me. But um, <laughs> You should see us protecting our papers. It's pretty papers wild. turned over so yeah. no one can see. Right. So if, so, you know, if you have any, uh, any answers you want to... Yeah, you can call in, but tell me, but not Bob, because his list looks longer than mine. Right. I need Jesus. help. I have, I have six, six on my list so far. Oh, six. That's, six that's so far. half of the 12. Yeah. Half of the 12. Oh, oh man. man. All right. Well, if you have uh, some help for us, please feel free to give us a call. Or if you have any questions for Regina, give us a call at 855-0811-877-285-9348 and noon at indiana.edu is the email address. You know, the, it, it is interesting in the year 2006 that I, I believe in Monroe County, 52 percent of the population is is female. I think in the nation, it's about the same mm-hmm. thing. Yet we do have such a lack of representation of women on uh, in all levels of government, really, when, comparatively speaking. I mean, mm-hmm. it's much better than it was at Mm-hmm. some point. I, and I the think. county 30, seems to do a better job than the city. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the county, ha- we have three women on the county council, mm-hmm. and th- those would be considered, um, while some would argue fiscally um, responsible only there there's certainly policy making because where you put your money is is where your policy is going to be developed um, the The administrative offices, that of the recorder, the assessor. The auditor and the treasurer are all are all held by women, and I guess my office in the in the as city clerk is more of an administrative. I'm certainly not a legislative person, or um, or am I an executive person, except within my own office. Um, but um, so we, when you think of that, oh, we and we also have two women commissioners mm-hmm. um, on the county commission. So um, the county is doing doing fairly well, and why the city only has um, one elected woman, myself. Um, I, I think there are a number of reasons that we could look at that, and I, I would be interested in hearing what the callers think too. If there's if there's someone out there with a with history, because we've had some very strong women leading our city and county mm-hmm. as, uh, as role models. But yeah, we do seem to be in a little bit of a dip right now. Mm-hmm. I think if if, if I, my memory is correct, you and Susan Sandberg were the only people that ran for city on the city ticket. That's right. Last That's time. right. Although only women that ran. In either right, in either, in either party. party. Mm-hmm. Right. Susan Sandberg ran in district 2 mm-hmm. um, for city council as a district race and 
and um, I was the clerk candidate. Well, you you actually put yourself in the position and and, and other people with whom you work to re- recruit candidates. So, what's the most um, often heard reason when you have identified someone you think would be a good candidate? What what do you hear most often um, as a as a problem or a reason why they wouldn't want to do it at that time? Well, that's a really that's a great question, Mary Catherine, and I and I have um, brought to you a study that was done by Brown University called Why Don't Women Run for Office? And the the two major things that they found in that study were that, number one, women didn't consider themselves qualified to run for office. And um, uh, I, I think you just have to look around at some of the um, folks that are in office, not necessarily locally, but statewide mm-hmm. or nationally, and ask yourself... How did they consider themselves mm-hmm, qualified mm-hmm. to run? Yeah, spend a few days at the legislature. You'll get over that. <laughs> I think you will. And, um, and also they found that women were not as often encouraged by uh, especially party leaders and other elected mm-hmm. officials to run as men were. Um, I can certainly talk to that issue because I, for eight years I served as vice chair of the Democratic Party mm-hmm. in Monroe County. And I can – and I went through – um, went through. I served with three different chairmen, um, Julio Alonso, um, Frank McCluskey, mm-hmm. and, um, and Dan Combs. And when we looked for candidates, um, and, and I think this is probably the same for other parties too, you're just so grateful that someone's coming forward to fill those slots mm-hmm. that you don't take your pick. You take the first person that comes along and say, that's great, here we go. Mm-hmm. Um, and primaries, um, especially if they're contested, are not always liked by, by party, uh, mm-hmm. party folks. Mm-hmm. So, so women are, are, are just, uh, they need to be encouraged a little bit more to consider themselves qualified. And how you do that, I think that needs to be studied a little bit more. I think it's worth noting, uh, as Regina said, she was vice chair of the Democratic Party and she's a Democratic office holder. Uh, but she's been very uh, clear with us as before we started the show, this is not a, a partisan issue for you. Um, I mean, you're involved in partisan politics, but there are Republican women who would be good candidates and good people in their in office and there are Democrat Absolutely. Women, so. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, so if um, you're a Republican, don't hesitate to call Regina with her. <laughs> no, I talk to everybody. <laughs> um, uh, the Commission on the Status of Women has been looking into um, a number of issues regarding the status of women. One was um, uh, political participation. And, Bob, I, I, I brought um, an old um, guest editorial that. here yeah. from – October 31st, 2004, this is part of their um, status report that they're going to be putting out, and it's about women in elected office. And it talks about um, um, the, the percentage of women running and the percentage of women winning. Uh, to, to even further this along, the Commission on the Status of Women, the City Commission, recently during the Women's History Month had a women's leadership conference mm-hmm. at the library. And we, um, Kathy Crabtree and I, presented um, – uh, it was, a, it was we did different types of leadership, but we were particularly focused on political leadership and getting women in, involved. And we had both Democrats and uh, Republicans in our audience for that little seminar and some men, by the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we might uh, give credit to Kathy Crabtree and Jillian Kinsey for the Where are the Women and Why Does It Matter column that was uh, published in the Herald Times October 30th. First, 2004. So I'd like to talk a little bit later um, more about why it does matter because I, I, think, I think it really does. But we had an email come in. Shall we okay. get to that? Sure, okay. Sure. Um, what can we do in the schools to encourage our young women to participate in the political scene? What roles do you see them taking, past and present? What roles should they be taking? Whoa. What can we do? First of all, what can we do to encourage them? I think um, something else that I brought for you was something that Mary Catherine and I were just looking at before we started on the air. Um, some this it was something from the Bloomington Voice, mm-hmm. um, and it was about four really strong women at that particular point. It was 1995 mm-hmm. when they were. Um, this was the 80. I'm sorry. This was the 75th anniversary of women getting the right to vote. And um, studying history is a great way, I think, to mm-hmm. see where we are and where we where we need to go. And making history really personal is a great way, I think, to get young women involved too. Um, but looking at this, um, I think all of these women 
said that their mothers mm-hmm. were great inspirations to them. And even though they were really powerful women, Vi Simpson, um, Joyce Poling, Tommy Allison as mayor of Bloomington, and Pam Service, they looked to their mothers or other women for inspiration. And mm-hmm. so that's where we need to go. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So and then probably giving young women who are still school age the opportunity to interact with these folks um, so they can really f- get to see the the uh, Oh, just the personality and the person uh, actually doing the work. Absolutely. And so increased exposure to that might be a good idea. I do have a little anecdote. We um, had a little showing of the HBO movie. um, Iron Jawed Angels. Iron Jawed Angels, right, at the cinema. And several of my friends brought their high school age daughters. And... um, one of them said, I never learned about this in my in my history class. I never <laughs> learned about the women's suffrage movement. I don't know if you've seen the movie. Hillary oh, Swank yes, is in it. It's a it. great movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and she went back and told her government teacher that they ought to be showing this movie in class. And a couple of months later, she emailed me and she said, Regina, guess what? My government teacher showed this movie in class and nobody fell asleep. Oh, <laughs> that's great. Isn't that great? Yeah. You know, from, from her mother bringing her to see this movie with other women mm-hmm. of all ages, she was able to take that back and, and influence some other women in her, in, her, in her class. I think that's just fantastic. I do too. What, that is a great movie. If you haven't seen it and have an opportunity, you can probably rent it. Absolutely, now. yes. I'm yeah. sure you can. All right. Before I get to the phone number, uh, Mary Catherine, did you have Pam Service on your list? Jeez. Yes, I did. <laughs> okay. Nana, right. Nana, boo-boo. Right. Yes, I did. All right. Just just checking so we know one. <laughs> we're naming one of the 12. You've got two. Two because two. Charlotte was Yeah, Charlotte. that's right. I've so got there, Charlotte on my list. So there are two of the 12 women who have served on the Bloomington 12. City Council. I'm just going to start. Pretty soon I'm going to start naming out pos- likelies. All right. 855-0811 is the local phone number. 877-285-9348 is oh. the, the number from throughout the uh, WFIU area and noon at indiana.edu. Uh, I, I don't know what's going on. but <laughs> <laughs> Poor Bob's outnumbered today, I'm afraid. Yeah. These, He's doing well. These women in politics have uh, something going here. Um, let me ask about just sort of the broader scene, the uh, national state scene, because it, it does seem interesting to me as, uh, you know, I, I am the one man who's here. But I've always been amazed for the last 20, 30 years since Geraldine Ferraro was nominated as a vice mm-hmm. presidential candidate that it's like that happened and then the nation or the national political parties decided that's enough. We don't have to do that anymore. Um, you know, it's been what, what year was that? Nineteen eighty-four, eighty, eighty-four, I believe. Uh, I'm or? not sure. I'm, I'm focused in my mind back to the '70s when Shirley Chisholm ran mm-hmm. for president and mm-hmm. uh, in, on the uh, for, in the primary, and um, and that's an excellent, excellent video too. While mm-hmm. we're talking about it, um, unbought and unbossed, which I think um, uh, you can probably rent or, or purchase. That's an, a wonderful. Uh, study of how a woman and a woman of color, the first woman of color to ever run for president, um, was not necessarily taken seriously by a lot of mm-hmm. folks. And um, and maybe that's part of it, too. But you're right, Bob. Um, on the on the statewide scene, on the statewide scene, um, we don't have a woman governor, although we have a woman lieutenant governor mm-hmm. now. And I think that 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 people are beginning to see the light about this kind of thing. The women can lead. But we only have, of, of the 11 people in the Indiana congressional delegation, our two senators, mm-hmm. nine congressmen, we have one that's a woman, Julia Carson from Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. Um, we've only ever in the history of Indiana had five women um, represent us. There have been four Democrats and um, one Republican. Mm-hmm. The first one was Republican, actually. Um, so we have a long way to go on the statewide level. Um, I think if you look at our state legislature, we have a long way to go, too. Mm-hmm. On the national scene, um, we have, you know, I don't know the total number of people who've ever, ever been elected to Congress. But 236 women have been elected, um, starting with Jeanette Rankin, um, who was mm-hmm. elected even before women got the right to vote. On, the, on a national level. <laughs> um, currently, we have 70 in the House and 11, in, I'm sorry, 14 in the Senate. So 70 and 14, 84 out of 535? 15.7%. Yeah. Totally. Okay. Yeah. And, and then Not a lot when you think about 50% of the population. Right. Mm-hmm. right. 
Yeah, and, and this is a good year to be talking about this because, of course, Hillary Clinton is getting a lot of uh, you know a lot of a lot of play as a potential Democratic candidate. You know, it depends on you know where what Republicans you talk to, but Condoleezza Rice is actually sometimes mentioned as a Republican candidate. Hillary brings out. Hillary Clinton brings out all sorts of emotions. She does. On, she does. on both sides, in terms of, and, and I, I, you know, I, I guess I'd ask you, why do you think that is? You know, I'm really not sure. Um, we had a, a bre- I meet regularly with some women for breakfast, and oh, there's there were probably 50 women in the room, and as a way of introducing ourselves, everyone stood up and said, answered the question, "Do you think Hillary should run?" Mm-hmm. Um, and this was several months ago, but but the but the answers were very mixed, and some of them um, said that they were very afraid for her if she would run, that she wouldn't be taken seriously. Some were afraid for her um, her safety if she would run. Mm-hmm. Although presidential candidates are very, the instant I think that you really are a serious candidate, you're you're guarded um, very well. But but and some people said, you know, you go, girl, and and we want to see her run. So it does range through the whole gamut. But there's no doubt she's a very strong woman. Woman, And I think that some women don't, you know, have a problem with that. Right. I think it's her destiny. <clears throat> are, are there... You know, I don't I really, I think it, it's already kind of a, it's going to, she's going to give it a try. Mm-hmm. I... So I, I'm going to back up a little bit. Who sure. Were, who were your role models when you were deciding that you wanted to be involved in politics? And... Oh, I, you know, this is really funny. I, 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 my husband will tell you how apolitical I was for most of my marriage. <laughs> you know, I just it, it just would go past me. I was interested in other things. Um, I was not in the first group of of young people who got to vote when they were eighteen. I didn't get to vote until I was twenty one, mm-hmm. and so um, and my parents voted, and my father ran for school board, and that kind of thing. But I just really politics was those people on TV on Sunday mornings that really just you know talked with the drone and weren't very interesting and. Um, so the, basically the first time I was involved was in 1992 when Jerry Brown was running for the um, Democratic nomination for president in the primary. And I, he just struck a nerve with a lot of people. And it could have been that he, he reached out through the party process mm-hmm. to folks on a very individual level. We watched him through C-SPAN, Road to the White House, um, um, all kinds of things. And remember, he was the first um, candidate to use an 800 number. Mm -hmm. And people thought, 800 numbers for politics? You know, this is something revolutionary. But my husband just uh, turned to me one day and said, would you write a check to Jerry Brown? And I said, what? What are you talking about? Then I began to listen to his message and and really um, thought he just really spoke to me and spoke to a lot of other people. I think you probably remember, Bob, we had a little group here in Bloomington who um, revolved around this candidacy. I don't think there were many people who were working for uh, President Clinton. Um, Jack Hopkins, um, I think, was, and I remember him him handing out flyers, but not too much other activity locally. It was was centered around Jerry Brown. And... um, we were sitting around our little office one day wondering how we could get to see the candidate himself. You know, It was going to be in Indianapolis when we got a call from someone saying, if Jerry Brown came to Bloomington, do you think you could get a few people together, like maybe 500 people or so, to a little rally? And we said, oh, sure, not knowing what we were doing. It was a, a Wednesday afternoon around 4 o'clock. And the Thursday, the next day at 1 o'clock, he was here. Oh, my God. And we had a rally in Dunmeadow. Um, it was great. It was it was just a really fun thing, and that of course really energized folks too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and when I tell the story, I, I still hear people today um, say, "I was at that rally." Yes, I remember that. <laughs> and um, I've got pictures. I'm, you published pictures in the I'm paper. Sure it was did, great. Yes. There were five thousand people there, Mary Catherine. Wow. With less than twenty four hours notice. So this this person really, in fact, a presidential candidate in Bloomington. Mm-hmm. A national candidate. This is this is really some attention to a, a small town. It helped that it was the Thursday of Little Five Weekend, and everyone was in town. The weather was beautiful, um, so it, it, we all have really really fond memories of that day. Wow! That's... So when you, you know the the, the, the energy is there, the and do you want to you want to keep getting involved? You want so I started at the top with a presidential race, but now <laughs> I'm working so. on a local level. Um, local folks affect our lives. A little more on a daily basis, right? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so it's, not, it's interesting. Also, of course, that it was a male candidate that was that's your, right. yeah. your mm-hmm. first one that got you that's involved. That's right. That's right. And I know you were very close to Frank McCloskey, and he served as sort of an inspiration to you. Yes, certainly. I didn't um, get to know Frank very well until after he left Congress, right. and he mm-hmm. was uh, local folks, and um, we had we still worked on campaigns together. And yes, he was a great mentor, and he was he he taught me an awful lot about 
local politics and um, the story I, I is so inspirational about Frank, and I'm hoping I'm not going to tear up when I say this, but he was in the hospital, and it was um, right before the election in 2003. It was a municipal election, and I went over to see him, and when I walked in his room, he grabbed my hand and said, Regina, you've got to get someone in here to vote me because I may not last until next week. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so I got him an absentee ballot instantly, and he filled it out. But, you know, here he was in the hospital really having a hard time breathing mm-hmm. um, with an oxygen mask and everything, but he was determined that he was going to vote before he left for wherever it was he was going to go. Yeah. He was determined he was going to vote, and I, I think that's a great, great story. Mm-hmm. All right, 855-0811 in Bloomington, 877-285-9348. Uh, the email address is noon at indiana.edu. Regina Moore is our guest. She's a clerk of the city of Bloomington, and she's been very involved in trying to attract more uh, women candidates to run for office. You know, I want to talk a little bit about um, women's role um, in the different political parties. And I, and I, I think you're probably – well, I know you're most familiar with um, women in the Democrat Party. Um, it seems to me whenever I do any volunteering, I'm usually with – it's usually other women that I'm sitting alongside. And so it's kind of interesting to me um, the number of women who volunteer, stuff envelopes, make the phone calls, um, drive people to the polls on election day. I, I, I see other women doing this. We'll talk about that a little bit and um, kind of the break between that role and then the actual running for office. You're right, Mary Catherine. Women, I think, have served as the as the the sort of the base of of volunteers for both political parties for a long time. But both political parties have a women's club. The Republicans have a Republican women's club, and they meet. Um, I think once a month for lunch. The the Democrats have the Democratic women's club that meets once a month for lunch, and those those folks. Um, serve to support the party in whatever way they can. I, I don't know if they I, – I certainly think they probably do raise some money for the party and support them in all kinds of activities. But that, that jump from volunteer to candidate is just a big, big leap for some people. Think, too, about the way women spend um, their lives. They have children um, and they're not doing this full time. They're putting in a couple of hours here or there. Maybe their husbands are dragging them along. Um, and I don't, I don't say that with, with any – ill uh, feelings at all, but because my husband certainly dragged me into, the, <laughs> into this. Um, but but getting encouragement, I think, from other women to become candidates is just a, a leap that is, is, is much more difficult for people to take. And I want to also, when you said who were my inspirations mm-hmm. and, and who encouraged me, Pat Williams was the mm-hmm. um, chairman of the Democratic Party when all this was happening in 92, and she was tremendously um, helpful didn't think of the Brown campaign as a threat at all to the Democratic Party. In fact, saw all these eager beavers and willing workers and energy and said, we need to keep these folks around. Mm-hmm. She was actually very smart in nurturing and helping people mm-hmm. um, and come along. And Dave Rollo was another – Dave Rollo, mm-hmm. a current city council member, mm-hmm. was another one of those um, early Brown supporters. Yeah. Okay. Eight five five zero eight one one eight seven seven two eight five nine three four eight and noon at indiana dot edu. We're uh, we've reached halftime of the noon edition show for today. Uh, if you want to give us a call, we'd uh, appreciate it. You can talk to Regina Moore. We can talk about women in politics. If you're listening to Noon Edition. We'll be right back. Listening to Noon Edition on member-supported WFIU. Production support comes from Closets 2, providing organized and expanded closet and storage space for home office and garage, using a variety of systems with no major renovations. Closets 2 owned and operated in Bloomington, 332-2233. And from South Dunn Street Project, represented by Brian Lappin Real Estate, classic bungalow-inspired architecture in the Bryan Park neighborhood of Bloomington, www.southdunnstreet.info This evening at 5 o'clock in the Columbus Commons, the 2006 Student Jazz Festival. At 7 in the Buskirk Chumley Theater, the silent film The Lost World with piano accompaniment by Hakan Tokar. At 8 o'clock, the beginning of the Bloomington Early Music Festival with Mozart's early opera Hilre Pastore at 8 in our hall. And at the John Waldron Arts Center, it's Christmas Eve at the Flanagan's, 
More about these and many other events on our website, wfiu.indiana.edu. Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg from the Herald Times along with Mary Catherine Carmichael. And Regina Moore is with us today, a clerk of the city of Bloomington and an advocate for uh, women in politics, politics in general, good politics, good, good government and good leadership. So we can talk about all those issues but particularly we're talking about women in politics today. If you have questions or comments, phone us at 855-0811. 877-285-9348 or send your email to noon at indiana.edu. Um, I wanted to ask about uh, about issues. I mean, uh, do you think that there are getting to be more and more issues that would be called, you know, concern or considered women's issues in 2006 or are issues issues? Well, I think I think issues are issues. I do think that there are some um Issues that women might bring forth more, and um, there's a book that I think is an excellent, excellent study, um, written by Marie C. Wilson, who is the head of the White House Project. Um, the White House Project is um, is a, a group that's, and you can, I think they have a website, thewhitehouseproject.com, um, and it mm. it talks about getting women into um, all political roles, but they, they're really headed for a woman for the presidency. And um, it's called Closing the Leadership Gap is the, is the name of the book. And um, she there's a quote there from uh, Senator Kay Bailey Hutchinson, who's a Republican from Texas. And she said, um, it wasn't that men were against changes. It's just that they hadn't considered certain issues before because they hadn't experienced the problems in their own lives. Mm-hmm. And as women become part of the system, those kinds of things are changing. And she's, she's talking about the Women's Health Equity Act, the Family and Medical Leave Act. A Pregnancy Discrimination Act and the Child Support Enforcement Act. And so women – it's not that men don't think of these things. It's just that they're not foremost in mm-hmm. their mind. Mm-hmm. Right. That's what, uh, what I wanted to get back and talk about a little bit more, which is uh, the, you know, the importance of women in government for that very reason. Who better to imagine the possibilities for women than women? And they need to be the ones bringing public policy, good public policy forward, because they're the ones who who live it every day. Exactly. And, and, I, and, it, and, it, and women and men do have different experiences in life and uh, different things that impact them every day. And so I think it is you can only walk a mile in the other's moccasins so long. And, and you know, there are always going to be differences. There, there will be. There will be differences. And and I, I just think that when you have a greater variety of voices, mm-hmm. um, entering into the system and and you 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 add pers- different persons perspectives the female perspective the male perspective you end up with a better solution um, to your problems you end up being more creative in the ways um, in, in the way that you approach problems. And I can remember Charlotte Zitlow telling me that when she first ran, um, was going to run for city council, people said to her, well, what do you know about sewers and what do you know about roads? And she said, come on, I drive on these roads. I know these roads. I know what happens when you flush and something is <laughs> I was in just say. You know, and it doesn't go well. I mean, I'm very cognizant of yes. those kinds of things. So yes, I can handle these problems right. and I want to give right. it a try. Well, I'm, on my board, we talked about a little bit earlier. I'm on the parks board and I, I am the uh, one woman in there, three other, three men. And we joke and I call myself the token mommy because I, I, I am the token mommy. And you're right about that as far as bringing in a, a different perspective, because, um, you know, when you're dealing with small children or children, period, on a, on a daily basis, you do think of different things that you, that Otherwise, you wouldn't have to think about. So I think that's a very valid point and um, so important, and, and it is a source of concern um, for me when I look at the, the common council that we have right now. Not that they're not great. That I'm, I'm satisfied with the representation, but I just wish it was more diverse. And, and men ask me all the time, don't you think that I could represent you? And it's not that they can't. It's just that there needs to be a participation, um, more of a participation. And, and, and a token woman is sometimes just not enough because then it becomes the, the woman's voice. It becomes 
on the Parks Board, it becomes Mary Catherine said this. It's not the women say this. Mm-hmm. So it, it, then you tend to bear too much of that burden. And so it, I, I'm not going to be satisfied with one woman on the city council. Mm-hmm. It needs to be more than one. And and I don't I'm not advocating certainly for an entire council of all women either. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think that that would be good because it doesn't represent any kind of diversity. All right. We have a phone call. Let's go to Susan. Susan? Yeah. Hi. I just want to say that I do uh, – I, I concur with Regina, especially on that last point. That wasn't what I was calling about, but I do think it's true that if you only have one woman uh, on a particular board, it, there, there, I think one of the other problems that tends to happen is people assume that she's speaking for all women, and, of course, that's not necessarily going to be the case. That's a very good point. And, you know, they say, well, what is – you know, they assume this is, this is the woman's voice yeah. here. So, mm-hmm. But the, the other thing I wanted to say is that I actually have a – certificate in gender studies, and I have been active in, uh, well, various things around this issue for many years now. But one one thing I've been a little more concerned with in the recent elections, I've also been very active in political, various political volunteer work, is that I, I do think it's very important that we have more women representing us, in, in, especially in city government boards. And, and I also think the city council basically does a pretty good job. I'm, I'm happy with them. But it, sometimes it is amazing to me that there's no women on that board right now. Um, I, I am concerned, though, that sometimes the focus on getting represent, equal representation by, you know, with uh, the other gender results in putting candidates into place who might not be as qualified as they could be. And I, 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 you know, I appreciated the story about Charlotte Sidlow, and it is, it is important to recognize how much we can know just because of what we do in our daily life. But I, I have seen, I think I have seen examples of this certainly in the election we just had and in a few past where it seemed as though the, the, everyone was so excited that they had a woman candidate. A lot of people were so excited about having a woman candidate that it became more important that, that she was there running than that she was necessarily I just the most competent person for the position. Mm-hmm. So I, I do want to add that little, I guess, note of caution as I see it about this kind of issue. I think that's an excellent point, and I think you're absolutely right. Um, you don't want um, – I, I think that nothing, nothing would – would discourage a woman more than to have her run out as a candidate and not be prepared and not be prepared to answer the questions, have no one helping her figure out what forms are going to come up and how are you going to be presenting yourself and how do you run a campaign? Mm-hmm. How do you run the nuts and bolts of a campaign? And um, yeah. and Susan, really, this is I, I, I thank you for bringing this up because it's really an important position. Mm-hmm. Not only um, not every woman is going to not every woman will do frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, you could have a woman on the city council just because there's a woman there does not necessarily mean that she's going to be carrying your issues. So right. you have to find someone that you think is good or you yourself step up and, and, and be encouraged to run. I'm encouraged. Run, Susan. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, I'm content to work with them as a citizen. <laughs> but, I bet you hear this yeah. nervous giggle a lot right. when, you, yeah. when Actually, you ask that question, I don't do, you? I do. Yeah. You know, and, and during the last city election. Here we were. Um, Frank McCluskey was the chairman. And I said, Frank, you know, all these men have stepped up to the plate. We have a full slate, except we don't have anyone to run in District 2. And we need a woman. We need a woman, Frank. We need a woman. And he agreed, of course. I mean, he could, uh-huh. I mean that was a very clear, clear statement. But, but we asked many women to run in that district and they all and they didn't want to they didn't want to they didn't feel that they were qualified they didn't feel that they wanted to get into the nastiness of politics and that's something else that we could talk about mm-hmm. it's it's you are putting yourself out there for for criticism in whatever way shape and form it comes and you you have to have a thick skin mm-hmm. and i think this is why um, some women are underestimated in that respect and some women over underestimate themselves in that respect too do you remember um, when Sophia Travis was running? Yes. And, um, and she was a musician. Mm-hmm. And um, at one particular point, um, she was berated for the fact that she played the accordion. And um, getting to know Sophia, <laughs> I really had to chuckle at this because she really is a very, very strong woman with very strong opinions, mm-hmm. but a very soft way of getting that across. Mm-hmm. And um, And I can remember her walking up to her um, after a statement was made about, oh, she 
plays the accordion, <laughs> enough said. Um, I can remember her walking up to her opponent that said that and very quietly leaning over saying something. His face turned red and she walked away. And I thought, what in the world did she say to him? And she had just leaned over and said, well, you know, Thomas Jefferson was a musician. <laughs> so no, not every not, score one for Sophia. exactly. Um, not every woman would do. You need to look for candidates that are bright, but they're out there. They absolutely are out there. And I would thank, say thank that. You the, very much. All right. Oh, Susan, thank you, Susan, thank you. so much. I'm sure the percentage of women coming forward who are, let's say, marginally qualified compared to the percentage of men coming through who are or coming forward who are marginally qualified is probably comparable. Oh, I would imagine so. so. I would imagine so. I think I think the point is you want to make sure and have the best possible candidates, but if every candidate that gets run out there is a white man, we're going to have one very narrow perspective about what the key issues are and what what uh, life should be like in Bloomington or right. whatever community that uh, is being represented. Well, you exactly. know, I think we need to, to consider the point, too, that we don't all start out good at something. That's and, right. And so there's a long, long learning curve, um, just as you said, as far as learning how to run a campaign. I mean, there's a lot involved in that. And so, um, you know, you're not going to hit a home run your first time out, and you're not going to know the answers to all the questions your first time out. But I think that... Um, the learning curve is important to consider, and um, you know, as people look at these, taking this big chance, recognizing the fact that it does take a while to get the hang of this, and there, as you said, there's just so much to learn. What does your group do as far as um, kind of growing the candidate in that way? Well, there. I mean, when people ask me, even when I was involved with in as an officer in the Democratic Party, if they would say. I want to become a candidate, what do I do? I would say, if you're interested at all, come volunteer. Figure out what goes on. Find a candidate that you want to help and help that person. Go door to door. Learn what that's about. Learn what voter contact is about. Learn the lingo, more Mm -hmm. or less. Um, Understanding targeting and and the different types of mailings and things Mm -hmm. like that. Learn how to hone your message. Um, the, The Republican Party does this very well. They have um, something called the Luger series. And it basically is a series where they – I think you have to be recommended by your by your county party chair. And that could be wrong. If anyone knows about this, call in and let us know about it. But they they have women and they, they basically train them. Um, they, they're, they're exposed to um, national and statewide political figures. They are, they're, they are invited in to, to, to have these people as role models and to learn about the whole process. And, and it's an excellent way of sort of training that upper echelon. The Democratic Party doesn't do that nearly as well. I've, I've, I keep saying to, uh, to Senator Bai, I think we should have something like this, but he doesn't really want to mimic what you know, Senator Luger is doing. He's Senator Bai. He wants to do his own thing. So. <laughs> All right. 855-0811-877-285-9348 and noon at indiana.edu. Uh, you brought up the, the learning curve, and, and I'm going to mention uh, the third woman on the city council or the third woman that we're going to mention today, Tommy Allison, mm-hmm. who was um, probably – well, no. She was definitely a much better leader, much more knowledgeable when she was into her terms as mayor, as she was the first day she was appointed to the city council. It just, you know, people grow on the job. And she, by the time she was finished as mayor, she was certainly a very effective mayor. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she, she, yeah, you absolutely learn on the job. And you don't just um, one day pop up and say, you know what, I'm going to be mayor yeah. and, and jump into that job. It's so complex. You really need to know how mm-hmm. systems work and how people work with each other. You know, the best, some of the best learning in that respect can be done on city or county boards and commissions and volunteering um, to, to help government uh, to learn a task. You just get to see how things interact, how departments interact and that kind of thing. Another really, really good way people could get involved is the city has a citizen's academy and they're taking applications now. And that's a great way to learn a little bit more about city mm-hmm. government. Absolutely painless and really a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I loved I, when I was in the class. We went to the fire station, and um, <laughs> yes, they did. They did. Um, I don't know if they still do this, but they did an alarm. They slid down the poles, jumped into their you know their their boots, and and I, I'd never seen that before. It was just amazing how quickly they could respond. So you, you really begin to have a great appreciation for city government, but you learn a lot about the intricacies of it too. And, I, and our other, uh, we've mentioned this last week, um, leadership Bloomington. And Monroe County is another area where you can learn a whole lot about uh, city government, county government, uh, how to interact with people. So that's another place that yep. people can be trained. That's where I met Mary Catherine. Yeah, yeah that's right. We, we were, were in the, we same, were in the class. same class. <laughs> that's right. 1992. 
93. 92, 93. That's right. Um, we were just really young then. We and, were so young. Uh, well, yeah. Babies, really. <laughs> Babies. And then uh, we worked together on the Arts Council. Well, I, I want to go back to an issue that, sure. that you mentioned before, um, Regina, and that's uh, – I guess this would be my supposition. I've heard this before from various people and I want to get your take on it that you know, campaigning is, has become such a rough and tumble, um, nasty thing on the – certainly on the national level and somewhat on the state level and somewhat on the local level that a lot of women just don't want to deal with it. Is that – I mean I, I guess some men don't want to deal with it either but that it's more of a, you know, a, a contact sport, more of something that, that men would be inclined to. What's right, they used to, to refer that? to the old gentleman's agreement as far as you know, certain Ugh, things – That's gone. <laughs> yeah, right. That certain things were simply um, not discussed and yeah, as you said, that's absolutely gone. Yeah, it's true. I, I think that there, that sometimes people are very desperate and they do desperate things um, and, and the civility in – in all kinds of ways, is is not nearly what it used to be. Um, I was really encouraged when I read the newspaper the day after the election, a couple of days after the election, and in the in the judges' race, the open seat um, where you had three Democrats mm-hmm. and three Republicans running, a woman won in both instances, and both of them kind of celebrated the fact that you know women, women have won here, and mm-hmm. um, both of them are. Are qualified. Um, I think the technical, the only technical thing you need to, to be for a judge is that you need to be I, probably a resident and uh, and certainly an attorney. But they've got ex- they've you know look at their resumes. They're they're really good, and so they're kind of celebrating. And I think we're looking forward to a very civil race there. I mm-hmm. think um, on both sides, a very you know you, judges can't talk about issues. They're they're very limited in what they can talk mm-hmm. about. But they can get out and meet people, and and people can decide who do you want who do you want yeah. to be your judge. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking for that to be. A really very, very pleasurable race. <laughs> you know, I wonder if women more so than men, and I'd like to get your opinion on this, are sensitive to having maybe their youthful indiscretions or something paraded about publicly. And, and so they, um, again, another uh, impediment to running. Um, I, youthful indiscretions. I, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I um, Probably. Probably. They're, they're, I mean, doesn't everyone have things that they've done that they really prefer not to see on the front page of the paper? And yet, you know, you have to you have to think about that mm-hmm. um, when you run. Absolutely. Women, women don't like to be attacked. We we really we're we don't like confrontation nearly as much. And my husband says it's because I never played sports. Um, mm. And so I never I never experienced that confrontation, that really working hard and mixing it up and then afterwards shaking hands and, hey, let's go out for a beer together. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I just don't think I've done that and uh, very much. I, I mean, it's not in my nature. So I've really had to kind of work and, and learn about this mm-hmm. a lot. Okay. And I don't think I don't know that it's really. And boys grow up doing sports. And I think nowadays girls, of course, do um, participate a lot more in sports than they did. I don't know, Mary Catherine, did you, did you play sports? And no, I, my, genera- or my age group is kind of like the last group before Title IX really mm-hmm. kicked in mm-hmm. and um, women's sports started getting more attention and, and you know, became more of a, a usual type of mm-hmm. thing. So, mm-hmm. no, and I, I share the same regret. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there are important lessons and, and skills learned um, when you play on a team like that. And um, so... But I think, I think that, that that's an interesting, very interesting uh, topic to me because I, I don't think, I certainly don't think that all men... Uh, even those who played sports are are inclined toward that kind of competition either. And, and I, I'll take mm, yeah. one example would be Baron Hill, who mm-hmm. I think he was a very good athlete. He played a lot of sports. He's, um, but I think that the last election turned out to be very nasty. And I don't think Baron. I mean, I know that he didn't like it at all. And I think that he is. I think this election, this this time when he runs against Mike Sadro, it's going to be a very rough and tough. Race and I think the gloves will come off, but I don't think I think Baron Hill has been pushed into that because of how rough the last race was. Mm-hmm. And and I know you know I played sports. I'm not in. I'm not running for any public office. But if I were, I'd be very uncomfortable with people you know being mean and nasty and people pick on you all the time. Well, I know they do, and I you know I don't necessarily like it, <laughs> and I don't try to pick back. You no, know? I you don't, don't. You handle it very graciously you know, always, <laughs> and I've always been impressed by that. Well, I think I think it's an art to learn how to mm-hmm. disagree with someone in a very civil manner and and keep it nice. And and I I don't. And I think that sometimes very enthusiastic 
um, supporters of a candidate may take things to an extreme that the candidate probably would not like it to be taken. Now, actually, I wonder if things publicly haven't toned down a little bit with the um, use of television cameras. Uh, So many meetings now are televised, and I actually would put out there the, the possibility that things are, are more civilized than prior to that because you don't want to have um, it rebroadcast you calling somebody a, 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 an unpleasant name um, <laughs> in a meeting. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's true. That's true. While the cameras are rolling, I think things are, are very nice. Yeah, I was called a name in a meeting last week, though. I saw it on TV. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. But that's a Topic for another day. Eight five five zero eight one one in Bloomington. Eight seven seven two eight five nine three four eight and noon at Indiana edu. And we have Velda on the phone. Velda. Okay. Oh, Go yes. ahead. Yes. Hi Hello. There. Can you hear me? Yes. yes. Hi Velda. Hi. Hi there. I've been uh, listening with considerable interest to your program. Uh, I would like to make one comment, and that is that when I was very young, and that was a long time ago. Uh, there were three things you didn't talk about in polite society. Mm. One was politics, one was religion, and the third was sex. And it seems to me that uh, although there's, there are changes in this type of thinking, uh, it still is kind of a no-no, especially with well-cultivated people. And it may be that women are a little more reluctant to go into politics because they're afraid of the kind of ostracism which goes along with having opinions about mm-hmm. such things as politics mm-hmm. and religion and sex. Uh-huh. <laughs> Do you understand what I mean? Oh, yes, yes, absolutely. Yes. Now, that's not a question. You can go ahead and say anything you want. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Velda, thanks Bye-bye. for your thank thank call. Reaction, yeah, Virginia? Thanks, thanks for that perspective, Velda. That's really interesting, and I do think that that at one time was really um, – and, and, and it probably exists today within a certain age group. And as we go through and the generations come after us, they there are fewer and fewer um, uh, taboo subjects mm-hmm. in a lot of different mm-hmm. ways. Um, and, and I'm not sure about today's younger people and, and whether they think that's the same or not. But it would be interesting to see if that is. What about a woman's um, – sometimes uh, women are accused of having kind of a need to please. And I think that in politics, um, you have to take some stands that won't please a certain percentage of the population. That can really work both ways, can't it? Because the need to please will also help you kind of tone down a discussion and say, we can get together. We can work on this. We can we can come up with something. Let's just keep digging and digging, uh, kind of a non-confrontational thing. So it can work both ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really can. Um, Regina, while while we have you here, uh, I just would like to get your perspective on the traits of a good leader from your perspective as a woman in politics. Um, what do you think what – what are the traits that are really important to leadership? I think certainly um, listening probably mm-hmm. is the biggest um, skill that a leader should have. I think that um, probably a very good – historical background uh, for a a good perspective so that the issue of the moment doesn't overpower or uh, overcome um, some good reasoning and some good history. Those would be two things off the top of my head probably. I think another thing would be um, the willingness to um, give other people credit and to bring other people along. Um, the collaborative nature of of um, listening to people rather than being like the dictator type thing. Yeah, autocratic. Mm-hmm. I think. Um, what do you think? I think you have to have a, a great willingness to give of your time. You oh, absolutely, absolutely, and and there's no doubt that you know your family needs to be on board with this kind of thing as well as your employer, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Uh, yes, it takes a good deal of time. I don't think that, that people really understand the amount of time that it takes to be a candidate. And whether you win or whether you lose, you put a good deal of effort mm-hmm. forth. And, um, um, you know, hopefully for all the good reasons. But at the same time, you you know, you're, you're standing out there, you know, 
It's you. Yeah, mm-hmm. It's tough. Um, all right. We only have three or four minutes to go. A couple things we, we want to do. We, I, I want to ask Regina about uh, Women Elect, which is an organization that she's involved with. And we, we still have nine more uh, women city council members <laughs> to, to name. But uh, what about Women Elect, Regina? I, in, I, I think that when you sit down and you have a dinner with someone and you socialize with someone a little bit, it's just a little – easier to work with them on other issues. And I, I tried to get um, – and I think it's – I think it eventually will be successful. Women who have been elected to political office together in the city and the county – of course, I'm the only one in the city. But we have county folks. We have township folks. And get them together to talk over breakfast or over lunch. Um, and not that we ever decide issues there, but it just makes it – it makes it a little easier to sit down or call that person and say – what do you think about this? Or what they, it, it encourages communication. Right. You're building connections. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so um, I, I just think that – and on a different level. It's not about candidacy, candidacies or advocating for different people. We're already elected. And so now how do we make the system work better and using our skills as women, um, using our skills as legislators or administrators or – or, or uh, executives in any way, shape, or form, and just kind of pulling it all together, making it better for the whole county. And again, this is a bipartisan group. It is. It is. Both Republican and Democratic women get together. Okay. Re- Regina, do you think we need to agitate a little bit more uh, as women and, and say not only in politics but in business and, and you know kind of hold people's feet to the fire and say, gosh, it sure would be nice to see a woman in this position? Well, you know, after the, um, the article was in the newspaper where I said, I, gosh, I was – Looking up and looked down at the council members as I was preparing and thought, what's wrong with this picture? They're all, they're all men. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, after that, the first time it was kind of un- oh, interesting. Hey, yeah, yeah, let's, let's look at this. And, and someone would meet me in the farmer's market and say, you go, you're right, you're for women, you know. And, and that wasn't really what it was. But after a while, it got old. Mm-hmm. And the men started saying, well, what is wrong with me? Are you going to run a man against Are you going to want to run a woman against me? Aren't I? You know, and so there's there's kind of a confrontational thing there already. Mm-hmm. Just by mm-hmm. bringing it up, I'm, I'm afraid that it's... Um, That's true. It, That's... It's, it's a bit con- confrontational. Mm-hmm. Okay, last 30 seconds. We need to, to offer these other nine names. I'm sorry. We have to do that. So, okay, who is next, next on your list? Okay, we've said Charlotte. Uh, Flo Davis. This is, this is not someone I'm familiar with. This, does this go back? Flo Davis was, um, I think, named in 1975 to be on the council. I think she might have um, stepped in to fill a position because she was only there for a year. Okay. okay. Mm-hmm. Pat, Pat Kinzer, Pat Kinzer, Nancy Young, mm-hmm. and uh, Tommy Allison, of course. Kathy Dilcher, she was on mm-hmm. my list. Uh, Ooh, Pam impressive. Sur- Pam Service. Pam was I- on I've mine. been around a long time. <laughs> <laughs> Pat, Pat Gross, Iris Kiesling. Iris, I did know that one. Lynn Gardner, mm-hmm. uh, Marilyn House, mm-hmm. Regina Miller. And Patricia Cole. Mm-hmm. We can't forget Patricia. No, can't Patricia. No. Oh, Patricia and I should remembered Regina too. Yeah. Sure. All right. That and, was yeah. during. And my we time. are we are out of time, so cool. we're going to have to go. I want to want to thank Regina Moore for being here with us today. For Mary Catherine Carmichael, producer Ryan Cost, and engineer Mike Pashkash. I'm Bob Zaltzberg. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. 